You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Young athletes need the tools for success on the field and on the court. And now more than ever in the arena of business. In the new era of name, image, and likeness, Athletic Architects is here for young athletes and parents to help prepare for your financial futures. Let Athletic Architects start helping you build your house. Visit buildthehouse.com and let's build together. You're listening to the Auburn Express. Good morning and War Eagle War Report family. Your man Ike Jones here on the morning drop. It is, De- excuse me, I finna say December, January 4th, 2023. And we're going to talk a little bit about offensive line. A lot of overhaul about to happen with that offensive line. What could the offensive line look like in the coming season? Let's talk about it right here on the drop. Yeah, morning drop right here. Your man, Ike Jones. Appreciate everybody for jumping in. We're going to talk a little bit about offensive line. So I looked at the offensive line from last year and two deep starting game one. Just looking at those folks. Just going to name some names here from the offensive line. Two deep um, game one. Killian Zerer. And the backup was Brendan Coffey. Brandon Council, back up there was Jaleel Irvin. Tate Johnson, back up there was Avery Jernigan or Jaleel Irvin. Keandre Jones with the backup of Cam Stutz. Austin Troxel, backup of Alec Jackson. Of the names that I just named, the only one with eligibility still left would be Tate Johnson, Keandre Jones, and Avery Jernigan. Keandre Jones transferring. So you're left with Tate Johnson, who was injured, didn't play very much at center. Um, and then you have Avery Jernigan, who was a sophomore last year, so a rising junior. Um, not a lot of snaps. And then you, you know, later on the season, you get a guy like Jeremiah Wright in there, but not a lot of snaps left. Uh, Cam Stutz was on this too deep. He technically has another year of eligibility, didn't participate in the senior festivities that happened on senior day. So it's a possibility that he could come back, but there aren't a lot of people who played any significant amount of football for Auburn that will be coming back. But the good news is we've got a ton of, well, I say a ton, but we've got quite a bit of offensive line talent that's going to be coming in. 
uh, including transfers. But if you guys um, are members of the War Report and were there for my early signing day live stream, you saw me basically get giddy over the prospect of some of these guys that we've got coming in. But let's start with talking about uh, people who actually have played some college ball, right? So we've got some the transfer coming in from Tulsa that is coming in with the offensive coordinator, Philip Montgomery. Uh, we've got the Juco guy in Miller who's going to be coming in, who's played some football. So we do have some people who have played a little bit of college ball. There's still some more people prospectively out there. But my question here is, is Auburn going to see a completely new starting five? I mean, Tate Johnson didn't play a ton last season. Um, and I don't know that center was the best position for him. Um, and center is going to be crucial for us. A, a guy playing center needs to kind of know what's going on. You really don't want to have inexperience at your center uh, because they're going to have all the checks. And I think the move to have Brandon Council move over to center was a great one by this coaching staff. It's curious why that didn't happen at the beginning of the season. And he didn't come out after we knew Nick Brahms, who I didn't mention on that list, who was the presumptive starter at center last year. Um, but after we knew Nick Brahms wasn't going to be playing um, – and it was clear that the uh, Jaleel Irvin, who was the other guy who was solid and and had played some center before, wasn't going to be the guy. Uh, had I, I just wonder what they saw in Tate Johnson there to to have him come in and be the starting center with no starting exp- experience there, and you know then he uh, he ends up getting hurt. So it, I guess it doesn't really matter ultimately. Uh, but the offensive line didn't look great when he was in there. But I don't know he, how to even judge Tate Johnson in the offensive line uh, based upon how we started the season versus how we finished the season because a lot of those same guys that finished the season were there post the injury, including one Jaleel Irvin who played a little bit more after the injury happened uh, to Tate Johnson, um, but. Uh, and then subsequently, when Brandon Council went out for a little while at the end of the season, you still saw Jaleel Irvin come in and play decently as the center. So I don't know really how to judge Tate Johnson off of that small sample size um, that we saw early in the season before he got injured. Um, but then the other guy, of course, is Jeremiah Wright, right? So you have Jeremiah Wright who's in there, and he got some st- some solid minutes playing and really looks good. Again, you guys know if you, you've heard me talk about Jeremiah Wright, I'm a big fan of what he was able to do um, in his limited snaps that he had closer to the end of the season and scratching my head as to why he wasn't in there. With the, uh, here, guys talk in the offseason like Marquise Burks about the nasty that he brought to the offensive line. I like my offensive lineman to be nasty. Pause. But, you know, I really wanted to see him come in there and and play significant minutes earlier in the season. So it was disappointing for me to not see that. Um, and then him come in later in the season and do all the things that I had heard rumored that he was doing during camp, right? So it's a little um, interesting for me. Um, but coming in to join us on the conversation, let me go, get my guy in here, B. Will, to join the conversation. Uh, B. Will, how you feeling this morning, man? Feeling all right. I'm sorry I'm late. I got my uh, I'm going to drop all brewed up, ready to go. Let's go. Yeah, man. So we're talking offensive line. Do we see five new starters along the offensive line? I feel like um, Jeremiah Wright will be a guy that should be in the mix. Uh, But just because he was solid last season doesn't mean that somebody else doesn't come in and take snaps, right? Um, Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, he didn't impress to the degree that got him starting snaps to start the season last year. Um, Is he just not a practice warrior? Like, I don't know what the deal is there. Um, But uh, how are we feeling about the offensive line? I would expect that with 
what Jeremiah Wright showed. I think everything that happened after Caddy took over has to be first and foremost on everybody's minds. Um, as far as, well, I say that it's on first and foremost on our minds. I don't know what Hugh Freeze is looking for with evaluation. I don't know with what our, or what Jake Thornton is looking for, for evaluation. So I, it, you know, we, we assume, oh man, he's nasty. Now we heard that, we heard that Jeremiah Wright was nasty last year from players, mm-hmm. right? Offensive line players and defensive line players, and then we didn't see him. So we, we thought, okay, were, were they mistaken or was the coach just looking for something else? Well, it turns out, no, the coach was looking for the wrong things because Jeremiah Wright was exactly what we needed at, at one of those guard positions. So I don't think what Hugh Freeze does is going to change what a guard needs to do so drastically. Mm -hmm. You need to be physical. You need to get in there and push and move bodies. Jeremiah Wright can do that. I would expect that that's at least one starting position that's going to stay the same. Outside of that, I think everything else is up for grabs. We know both tackles are are up for grabs. Well, I mean, there's Um, no tackles coming back, right? Like... Right, Killian is gone, and he played the vast majority of those snaps. Austin Troxel gone, he played the vast majority of the other snaps, and he was injured right. for the end of the season. Alec Jackson, who was his backup, gone. Um, Brendan Collins gone. Right now, what I find interesting about the center position, right? So Tate Johnson started mm-hmm. in place of Nick Brahms early last season, but we've got not only is Brayden Joyner, uh, he he played center, mm-hmm. but he also played. Um, left tackle a couple of times. He was all over that he line was, when we, we looked line. at his tape. Um, Connor, was it Lou? Lou, mm-hmm. Connor Lou. He's a center as well. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of his advertising once he committed, it was like, Auburn lands a, a top five center in the country. It's like, oh, huh. Uh, okay, so we got two guys who can play center. Mm-hmm. I don't know about any of the other offensive linemen we have committed right now, or transfer or otherwise. I know that, uh, are we still looking at that that inside offensive lineman from Florida? Or is he already going somewhere? I don't know if he's committed. That's a good question because that was a guy who I was excited about. Let's take a yeah. look and see has he committed. And somebody in the chat may know. Hmm. They they usually always know. Yeah, so we're looking at a we got a slew of offensive line in, interior offensive line Ethan guys. White was a couple the guy. Of, now let's see. Keep going. I'm I'm just looking. Sorry. Oh, you good? So. We know we got a lot coming in at interior. We got uh, at least two at, at, at each tackle spot uh, committed right now. We know we're going to see a lot different at tackle. Tackle was probably the worst bugaboo, I, I would say. Those were the, the biggest failures as far as recruiting over the last six or seven years. So we got a lot. We don't know what those guys can do, though. Uh, we know we got the guy from Tulsa. He has started. He has played. He has played for our offensive coordinator. But it's not going to be our offensive coordinator system. It's going to be Hugh Freeze's system. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how any of that's going to shake out. I know that left and right tackle are going to be brand new. I would expect only one guard spot is going to be locked down. And I expect that to happen over the course of spring and fall camps. And I expect that to be Jeremiah Wright. I think everything else is completely up for grabs. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to, to make of whether or not you're going to allow a freshman to be your starting center, blah, 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 whatever it is. But again, like evaluation of what was happening with the guys that are on the bench, right? When I look at the roster here, so let me just go peruse offensive linemen on Auburn's roster. And I'm just going to, you know, again, these guys haven't played any snaps. So um, I don't know how well they can actually play, but let's look at... EJ Harris, right? 6'5", 312. He was a freshman last year, so he's going to be a redshirt right. freshman coming into this year. Avery right. Jernigan, 6'4", 310. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Keandre Jones transferred. Cam Stutz hasn't announced his intentions. Court Bradley, redshirt freshman, 6'3", 293. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kobe Smith, 6'8", 324. Redshirt I remember freshman. that name. Um, yeah. Brandon Council's gone. Thomas Kirkham, redshirt freshman, 6'4", 293. Garner Langlo, 6'6", 300. We talked about Jeremiah Wright. He's 6'5", 335. Evan Richards, 6'4", 313. So we've got some big bodies that are there that haven't seen a lot of playing time. The question is, have they just not been developed to the right degree? Do they just not have the talent? Like, what's the deal? Because, you know, in your mind, you're thinking, if these are the best five that we're trotting out there, the guys who are sitting on the bench can't be very good. Well, okay, so here's... (laughs) I don't. I don't necessarily know if that's right. That's not and my now you thought. have to throw that entire right. thing out, right? It's like, right. did we not have the best five out there, or are the five that are sitting on the bench just as good and just, you know, like I don't. You, I literally don't know what to think about our offensive line room right now. I just, right. I just, I it's it's to, to me. You have to throw everything you thought you knew about them out the window and be hopeful mm. that some of these guys are diamonds in the rough that we just haven't unearthed to this point. Um, right. But it still leaves you in a position where you don't have a lot of starting or snaps experience. Guys who haven't played in games, they've at least been through offseason programs. They've at least had to deal with our defensive linemen in, you know, the spring and, you know, practice. But you don't really know how good these guys are. And were they just yeah. out there in practice getting destroyed by Marcus Harris, you know, uh, over and over again? And they was like, mm, I don't know, because... Yeah, and, and I think that that's what now, as we're talking about this, now I'm, I'm getting concerned because, not concerned like, oh, man, we're going to be terrible because I don't think we're going to be terrible. But what, what I do think is that the offensive line needs to play together mm-hmm. and they need to play together for a good amount of time before everything starts to gel. So it's not just, hey, we are five guys who have been playing together, but we're going to do a new system. It's like, hey, I've never played with the guy next to me. Mm-hmm. That will be the case for every guy on that offensive Literally. line. We'll never have played to the guy next to him. And we need to learn a new offensive system. And if if it's something that's dicey and up in the air when it comes time, the quarterback position could be in flux as well, depending on how that competition goes. Yeah. I think those are the three things that are probably the worst to not be uh, solidified at the exact same time. And for that reason, it may look rough up front. Now, our schedule may be a little more forgiving than most years to where we have some some leeway at the beginning and we can get this thing figured out. but. I don't know how you can have any expectations when you don't even know who's going to be filling these spots. We might be looking at some redshirt freshmen in some spots who have not played on the college level at all. If there's a truly special uh, freshman, true freshman, we may be looking at a true freshman in there who has not played on the college level at all. There's just no way to know how that's going to go. And with these high school guys now learning a a brand new system, none of these guys on this team have played in Hugh Freeze's offense or Philip Montgomery's offense, save for the one transfer tackle who mm-hmm. signed with us. So it's going to be brand new. I, again, the question is, one solid offensive lineman that played last year, the rest are going to be all brand new. And man, if there's nothing else that we've learned, it's that when offensive linemen are thinking a lot, they don't play their best. Right. So it's probably going to be rough going early. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the the issue then you know to, you, you brought up the quarterback position and that is going to be the big issue with trying to bring in a transfer guy 
right? It's like mm-hmm. if you're if you got one year of eligibility, do you want to play behind an offensive line that doesn't have a bunch of experience playing together? It's going to be harder to land a guy when you don't know that. go to the comments right now and see what you all have been talking about. We'll start with our guy who dropped in with the super chat, and that is James Stallings, who said, hey, guys, I know we might not be great first year, but it's exciting to see that we have started to rebuild our O-line for the future success. It's exciting. I agree, James. Exciting to see guys who have a ton of potential. Again, if you were here with me and you watched me look at the film on some of these guys, Connor Lou, Braden Joyner, mm-hmm. all kinds of disgusting film out there with them escorting people out the club consistently on that film. <laughs> you don't had too much to drink, son. You out of here. Yeah, <laughs> it was good. I love seeing that, man. So when those guys are ready, um, I expect to see them come out there and be physically dominant. Now, are they going to make mistakes? Absolutely. Even the best players, you know, at um, offensive line at the professional level, right? Guys who are perennial all pros make mistakes every now and then. They get beat. They wrong blocking assignment. But I expect them physically to go out there and be dominant and and push people around and and not give up on plays and maintain blocks and, and all that kind of thing. I expect to see that. And, you know, one of the things that helps guys when they are young is being able to run block, right? Because mm-hmm. run blocking, it's diff- it's more difficult to pick up pass blocking assignments of like, all right, well, you know, if they're going to be blitzing, what's the blitz assignment and who do I go get and all that kind of thing. That's why you need experience at a center who can call out the protections and all that sort of thing or a quarterback who understands that sort of thing. But when it's run blocking, it's usually just go find a guy and hit him, right? It's like, we're going to be, right. we're blocking to the right I'm going to be making my steps this way, or if I'm a pulling person, I'm going to, so as long as I know which direction the play is going in, I'm going to smash somebody right there in front of me, and we're going to go and we're going to move people, right? It's usually easier right. to pick up those types of schemes um, because most right. people's run blocking schemes aren't super intricate. Um, right. And when you have an and, RPO system that we're likely going to be running, not yeah. going to be a lot of intricate run blocking stuff. Go hit somebody. I think that's a great transition to to picking up a complex offense is if you can do some run blocking really well, the, the RPO will kind of keep the defense guessing and off of, I won't say off of your heels, but they're not going to come at you full force um, against the run if they think, well, this quarterback might get it out of his hands quick too. That that takes some of the, the, the viciousness away from the defensive line when they have to do some guessing at the point of attack. And that's what you want. You just want to be sturdy enough to hold up. And then every now and then, if your offensive coordinator is, calling this in a way that benefits not only the quarterback but the offensive line, you give them a pass. But it's it shouldn't be expected. Well, third and run on first down, run on second down. Well, third and eight, here we go. No, no, no. See, that's that's how you get stuffed, and that's how you get uh, caught up in, in seeing some exotic blitzes that you don't want to see. But if your OC can keep the defense off kilter just, just most of the time, then you stand a much better chance of learning on the fly and not being just falling on your face out there as an offensive lineman that's playing early. Yeah. James Barnett asked another question here. Ike, in your opinion, which of the freshman O-linemen are likely to start? Um, 
I think you got to go with either Braden or Connor, like just from the tape, right? Like if I just look yeah. at the tape and evaluate, Clay Whedon was was good too, right? Like Connor Lou, Clay Whedon. About- um, <laughs> you know, yes. yeah, man, we got some guys up front, yeah. man. Braden Joyner, Tyler Johnson, probably the least likely of those guys to me. Um, but yeah, man, I, I liked what I saw from from all three of those young men. I would say whichever one could play tackle <laughs> is probably the guy that's like, so you've got um, the kid from Tulsa is a tackle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Miller, who was the Juco guy as a tackle, right? So likely that's who you'd be competing with for tackle. Jeremiah Wright is likely, right? Say so if I were, if I were constructing an offensive line today, based upon what I know from seeing mm-hmm. tape, um, the guys who have experience, the guy from Tulsa, because he knows likely a, a lot, a large portion of the system has a lot of snaps. The uh, kid from JUCO, because he's at least played some college ball. So you've got your tackles, Jeremiah Wright at one of the guards. Then it's center and your other guard position. I think that means Braden Joyner or um, Connor Liu would be your likely guys to step in there. Tate Johnson is probably, again, hard to evaluate because I only saw him in limited duty in an offensive line that hadn't figured it out yet, but likely right. a little bit better at a guard position than a center. But because he has had some snaps at center, then maybe you start him at center and then you put the freshman next to him at guard. But that's what I would do, I would say right now, knowing what I know today. I think it's a fair chance that one of the guys that you named that are already on the roster that are coming back, the, the redshirt freshman, and I think we've got a redshirt sophomore in there, that they be primed to take one of these guard spots at least. Yeah. Uh, maybe not center. I don't think any of them were center in high school, but yeah. at least one of these guard spots simply because here you have guys who have already been in the strength and training program. It's their second spring pushed up against our, our defensive line. I think they'll be more ready to play than the freshman. And not that that nasty that that um, Brayton Jordan showed wouldn't have him in the mix, but I would expect that at guard at least, we would be able to see a redshirt freshman or or sophomore in there. Yeah. I, I'm hoping that those guys were just laying in wait and now they're ready to blossom into SEC starters. Um, it should be um, something. I think I still have the film from A-Day last year. And so maybe we'll go do some offensive line tape grading from A-Day film and see how they look during the game. So I don't know. Something to do during the offseason. Um, Haley jumps in. Talent evaluation was clearly trash with Harshin. Pretty sure there wasn't a, a lot of freedom for the staff. Listen, mm. I don't I don't know the answer to this on t- talent evaluation. Who was ma- because mm. when Harson leaves, they didn't start new guys on the offensive line. Right. Like they didn't say, hey, man, I always wanted to start you at tackle. You finna come in here. Court Bradley, suit up, boy. You, you're the, We've always wanted you to be the <laughs> offensive lineman. It was just it was the same guys playing differently. Right. And so it's like, right. Th- was the evaluation of the talent the problem? Was it putting that talent in the right position? I just I I literally don't know what to make of anything that you saw for the year and a half under Brian Harson based upon what we saw those last four. And like, it is so difficult to evaluate any of this stuff right now for me. Just speculating. Again, this is just me speculating. Doing the algebra, because I've got an X that I can't solve for. I don't think it's evaluation. I think it is, what does that guy need to do to get on the field? Because these guys were, I'm, I'm step outside the offensive line. All the transfers that we brought in, they mostly hit. And they hit well, like between Kaufman, right. 
DJ James, um, I think Embi, Marcus Harris, Echo Leota. We got quality starters for everybody that came in. Offense was different, but offense had its, its own problem. Sure, we didn't get any transfer offensive linemen. Right. So I'm looking at who they brought in. They brought in quality starters for us. I would say maybe th- three out of every four mm-hmm. that, that they got. And the major position, if if y'all have been following us and with us since before Hartson got hired, you know that one of my biggest knocks on Gus was he can't recruit. And it's not that he can't recruit because the star rating won't be high on signing day. It will be, but those guys won't play. And if they do play, they won't be as good as their star rating was. So if you can't evaluate, then you can't recruit. I don't care what the the the, the day rating is on signing day. Oh, we're 12. Yeah, but we're right. playing like we're 25. So no, we he can't recruit. I think that Harson did a better job of actually going, that guy can play, that guy can play, that guy can play. But once they got in-house, and this is for everybody that was on that roster, he goes, okay, who's going to meet my bar of professionalism and of good attitude and of work ethic? And that's where guys didn't get on the field under Harson. Yeah. And because that we were wondering so much, why is Elijah Canyon not on the field? Mm-hmm. I've seen his hands every game he's played. He, is, he, he has he didn't shown really play for Purdue hands. either. Like that's the thing that becomes weird for me. It's like that's weird. I like yeah. a lot of these guys that leave, and we're like, ah, oh, man, he looks like he's really talented. Like, man, you know, if, if y'all been with the War Report for a couple of years, you know what was the kid's name that was the wide receiver for us um, under Gus, and he left, and he started. He was playing like corner. Uh, Man, I can't think of what his Matthew Hill. Yes, Matthew Hill. I was like a big fan of Matthew Hill and his playmaking ability. He transfers, and I was like, "Oh man, he going Matthew Hill." I ain't heard nothing from Matthew Hill since he left. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, "Are we just not setting guys up for success?" Is really my my question here. It's like because I know they're mm-hmm. talented, but are right. we setting them up for success? And I have to say, the answer to that is really no. A lot of these times, and we haven't been, mm-hmm. and. The other question is, are we evaluating out of high school well? Are we finding guys or are we were we just hunting stars? Are we going after we were, star ratings or mm. are we saying, man, you know what? I know this dude's a three star and everybody's not going to go crazy over him. But he this kid can really play football, man. Like, I don't care what he's like. He can really play football. Wait and see. I promise you I'm going to bring him in. I'm going to take the chance and do that. And I'm not saying fill your roster with those guys, but I'm right. saying like. Can we hit on more of those more often? Right. You know what? There was a, a tweet I saw. I don't know what outlet it was. So this is not me trying to take their credit. They uh, did. They were doing an expose on one particular player. It was a cornerback that plays for Georgia. Mm-hmm. Talking about how he was a three-star corner out of high school. It was like, yeah, Kirby usually gets plenty that he wants, four and five. But they attacked this guy like he was a five. And as far as the number of three stars that he brings into the program, his three stars are drafted at a much higher rate than everybody else's three-star recruits coming out of high school because he sees it, he knows what he's looking for, and he turns them into better players than they were evaluated to be before they got to his program. That's something we've got to do. That's something we've got to be able to do. Um, I, I hope, I, I guess if you can stay up on the fours and fives, then you know you hit those and you hit often enough, it doesn't really matter, but... I think that's becoming watered down a little bit. Uh, the more I look at what's happened to Bama the last few years, I I, I had this conversation with, uh, again, the Bama friends and, and family of mine. If you replace Matt, uh, Bryce Young with Matt Jones, what do these last two years look like? Mm. I said, y'all win eight games. 
maybe in 2021, maybe nine games in 2022, because Bryce Young held the whole thing together because for some reason, all of that elite recruiting y'all have done for the last five years amounted to nothing. You're shopping for your number one receiver in the portal. You got your number one running back out of the portal. Your offensive linemen are playing down and, and, and grading out poorly. What happened? Were you just stocking up on five-star talent and it happened to pan out and now it's not? They're not evaluating great over there either. They just have a higher uh, volume mm-hmm. of intake. So they miss less often than, than we did for the last few years. But it's a, a talent and a skill. And it's something that's easier to do when you have that three-star surrounded by elite talent. It's much easier to have that three-star come along um, when he doesn't have to be the, the cornerstone of whatever your offense or your defense is. Right. But I, there is something to why we were flailing, or why we couldn't put the, the best guys on the field. I think we have been short on offense, different from defense. We have been short of the best guys on offense for a long time. Mm-hmm. I can't think of one elite offensive prospect outside of the two that Cadillac put in the running back room. Yeah. And one of those was a three-star. So I, I don't Tank was a well, I think a high four and Jarquez was a three that people wanted to play linebacker. And they look like elite prospects at their position. Everywhere else, where have we had an elite prospect? Yeah. And and uh, that the thing about that is it's difficult to even gauge people like in the wide receiver room because it's like were they even given a shot to be looking elite because we couldn't hit them. Right. Right. We didn't have the offensive line and, and the consistency at quarterback or the system for the quarterback to, to let the offense, excuse me, let the wide receivers show what they could do. Right. And that's it's a, it's a, an indictment, I think, on our ability to put playmakers in a position to make plays. And that's been a, a problem for us for the better part of a decade. Yeah. Um, Stephen Riley jumps in and says, I think right is locked in. Listen, I do too. Based upon his film, I would say yes. There, there are some things that he needs to work on, right? But again, I'm not expecting perfection from him. But I do like his effort and his energy that he brings out there. And I think it's good to have a guy out there who he gets other guys fired up with his play and he's playing with his hair on fire every single play out there. I love it. Chris Sanders jumps in. Miller's tape was okay. Speaking of Xavion, Xavion Miller, the uh, uh, Juco guy, anxious to hear good things from him out of camp. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of guys. When I put on his tape, he looked like he was, he's good in his pass sets, which is good for us to be able to, um, you know, play with some, some, some good tempo on the edge and not have the elite pass rushers in this league. Um, you know, if you look at what's the kid from LSU last year that came Perkins, that came Harold Perkins. Mm-hmm. That boy looked like he gonna be a menace on the edge for some years to come. The way he was out there bending the edge those last like four or five games for LSU, um, yeah, you need man. guys who can you know slow those kind of guys down um, so that you're not letting one person wreck your entire game plan um, the entirety of uh, a game. So hopefully he can be that guy and compete at that level. P Pass says, "Be will thank you for bowl season." I think he was talking to me on Twitter and he was saying, we didn't do any bowl picks or anything like that. I didn't do bed and be wheel for the bowl season, but he was saying that the Intel that, that we compiled over the course of the season helped him make bowl picks or stay away from some bowl picks. So we had a good season with bed and be wheel. I'm going to tally up the, the, the final uh, statistics. I was over 55%, which is good. If you're betting 51% is great. Cause that means you didn't lose any money, but we were teetering close to 60%. And then the last two weeks went haywire. So my apologies on that, but 
it was just a crazy last two weeks of the season. But thank you to everybody who watched, and thank you, P-Paz. I appreciate it, man. Steve Valentine says, guys, really love the daily content. We appreciate you guys jumping in here with us daily, man. We decided we wanted to talk with y'all more often than those two times a week. And so here we are trying to do the early morning drops for you. Chris Sanders, uh, a Tennessee offensive tackle just went in the portal. There's quite a bit of talent or guys. I won't say talent because it's not like I've evaluated. There's way too many people in the portal for me to be sitting here trying to evaluate all these guys. And and a lot of them really haven't even played any snaps. But there are a lot of guys in the portal that are available. And I do not envy whoever's having to pour through all of these portal folks and try to find the ones that match what you have and – I don't even know how you begin to to determine whether or not they're going to be a fit for you from a um, you know, behavioral standpoint and a cultural standpoint, um, right. especially when a lot of these guys don't have tape to be able to just, you know determine much on. So it's going to be right. interesting to see how we decide to fill out that room because there still are a lot of bodies that are needed in our offensive line room. Mm-hmm. Uh, Haley here again says if they are still rotating and trying to figure out by this by the time the season starts, it's going to be a very rough year. So it's it's going to be a tough job, and that's why I put the um you know Jake Thornton on the the thumbnail here. He's got a task ahead of him to figure out who the best five are, and then figure out who are the best five behind those five. Um, right, right. Because it's not an exact science, and you've got to figure out which five guys. Not just, and it's not really even about the best five. Sometimes it's who are the five that play the best together. Right, right? and the combination right. of does this guy need to play on the right side or the left side? you know, and what Mm -hmm. we're doing from a scheme fit standpoint. And, you know, are we often asking this guy to pull, right? Like he might be a good blocker, but he can't pull. And we need a left tackle who can, you know, pull around when we're doing this situation. Or we need a right Mm -hmm. guard who is able to execute this scoop block that we're trying to do. Like if if Mm -hmm. our scheme says that we're going to be doing, you know, blocks that require you to jump from one gap to another, can that guy execute that block consistently? And, right. but, you know, or is it a zone blocking scheme where you're really just kind of walling guys off and certain guys block that way better? Are we going to have mm-hmm. some combination of those things? And we need a guy who is he might not be the best at either one of them, but he executes both of them well enough that we can do it consistently and play that way. But he's not going to be really good at one thing and really bad at the other. So every time we shift and do this other thing, he's going to be screwing it up. Right. So right. evaluation is not an exact science. It's about fit. You know, we hear the word fit all the time, but it is about that with offensive line as well. For sure. And and I think one of the things that the coaches can do to alleviate that transition to make it easier is go, okay, what do these guys do well that is already in our offense? Mm-hmm. Let's build the early playbook on that and expand as we go. And hopefully we have coaches who we know we didn't have it with Harson and staff say, hey, what can you do? Let's start there and build from there. Instead, they made us do something that they wanted to do. But I think Hugh Freeze and the staff, they saw what a mess it has been the last two years. I think they want to get on the ground, hit the ground running. So hopefully they take some notes. Yeah. Um, looking forward to seeing how we do um, Jake Thornton being an experienced guy in the SEC with a system that's going to be running very similarly. I expect him to be able to to evaluate quickly and really get out there and make some tracks early. All right, but we are about to get out of here. We appreciate you guys dropping in with us this morning. We will be back tonight. I will be doing a preview of the Auburn versus Georgia game. So we'll do a little pregame for that. And we have the midweek report that's going to be popping off. So you guys got a couple more opportunities to hang with your boys here at the War Report. We're out of here. And until next time, War Eagle, peace. Peace.